Friends, it's in the beholding that we are transformed. It says the word is as a mirror. And when we look into the word, we don't see ourselves. We see Jesus. And the word is alive. The world is coming against the word of God. It's trying to blaspheme against the word of God. But we honor the word of God in this church, in this ministry. And we hear the word of God this morning in 1 Peter verse 2. Welcome to the living stone, the source of life. The workman took one look and threw it out, but God set it in the place of honour. Talking about Jesus. Present yourselves as building stones with the construction of a sanctuary vibrant with life, in which you'll serve as holy priests offering Christ-approved lives up to God. Look, I'm setting a stone in Zion, a cornerstone in the place of honour. Whoever trusts in this stone as a foundation will never have cause to regret it. To you who trust him, he's a stone to be proud of. But to those who refuse to trust him, the stone the workman threw out is now the chief foundation cornerstone. For the untrusting, it's a stone to trip over, a boulder blocking the way, but to you, the chosen ones by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Glory to God. Thanks my friend this morning for playing. Well, friends, God is building his church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Do you believe that? Do you believe God's building his church? As I was praying, I saw a snowball. It was coming down the mountain. And something about a snowball is it gains momentum and acceleration. It gains speed. It regains size. And everything that's in its pathway gets cleared out of the way. God is on the move and his glory is going to be revealed in the earth as the waters cover the sea. The vision we have been given in this hour as a body is that the Mid-North Coast would know Jesus Christ. It's a sacred calling and it's critical in this hour. This vision requires courage, it requires surrender, it, it, it requires surrender and a laser-like focus and it requires faith, as we've just heard. The world says seeing is believing, but we say believing is seeing. Amen. We are being stretched beyond our comfort zones, beyond what we can do individually to reclaim that which was lost, to forge new pathways, to take the land and this region for the kingdom of God. Are you with us this morning? Are we taking this region for Jesus? That's our calling in this hour. We are being called to leave the known and step into the unknown by faith, knowing before we arrive, Jehovah Jireh has left his footprints for us to follow. You know, one of the names of God is Jehovah Jireh. It means the Lord that goes ahead of us and prepares a path. Before you arrive, he's been there. When you get to a problem, don't be overwhelmed. He's been there. He'll, he'll make a way through and out for you. This is the season to be stretched. Isaiah 54 verse 2. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. The message says this. Clear 
lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, think big, use plenty of rope, dry the tent bags deep. You are going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. Amen? Do you believe that? Amen. We have a growing family in our midst. It says that we are going to take over nations and resettle abandoned cities. Friends, this is the season for divine synergy. Synergy means to work together or to collaborate. At its core, synergy is about helping you effectively connect, communicate, collaborate with two or more others, partners, to produce a combined effect greater than the sum of their separate parts. See, this is the season for divine connection. We've heard about it throughout the last few months, the season for divine connection, to stand shoulder to shoulder. I love that picture. Shoulder to shoulder means that we act united together to achieve a shared goal. We act together towards a common aim with united effort. I need you and you need me. We need each other. (laughs) And in this hour, we need to live intentionally in synergy with each other, divinely led, empowered by the Holy Spirit. So this morning, we're just going to focus in on divine connection, the power of divine connection, because who we stand next to in this season is critical. I'd ask you the question this morning, who are you standing next to? One of the greatest examples of the power of synergy of next to is found in the book of Nehemiah. It's one of my favorite books. I'd encourage you, if you've got nothing planned this week, take a look at Nehemiah in relation to the vision and the calling that we have at this season. In chapter one, we find Nehemiah, and he's actually serving as the cupbearer for a king. He was distinguished and efficient and trustworthy. And even though he was a Jew, he was loved and he was favored by a foreign king. He was more like a house manager who ran the king's palace, a bit like those of you who like Downton Abbey, a bit like Carson, the guy that has all the keys, knows all, who serves. Yeah, I like Carson too. (laughs) Nehemiah verse 1, we find Nehemiah in the castle and he's serving the king and he's visited by a friend And he asked the friend about the situation of the Jews who've returned to Jerusalem following their exile. And the friend says in verse 1, And they said to me, The remnant there in the province who has survived the exile is great in great trouble and shame. The walls of Jerusalem are broken down. Its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I frowned. I cried. No, what did he do? He sat down, he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and he prayed before the God of heaven. See, the people of Jerusalem were unable to protect themselves because the walls around them were destroyed. They were vulnerable, they were distressed, they were afraid, and they lacked leadership. And the broken walls of Jerusalem are an excellent analogy for the broken lives of people. We live in a world, friends, and I don't need to tell you that we are surrounded by people who are living without God and without hope. They're drifting into despair, discouragement, and hopelessness. They're living lives of brokenness in the midst of ruins and uncertainty. And as Christians, we don't deny problems exist, but we seek to be vessels God can use to bring about divine solutions. Amen. Are you a divine solution bringer? Do you bring divine solutions? 
We don't want to amplify the problem. We want to be a solution-orientated people. Nehemiah tells the king about the suffering his people, and he finds favor because of his faithfulness. And the king allows Nehemiah to travel to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. It's quite incredible. He actually gives him a royal pass to travel. He actually gives him um, protection. What's interesting is Nehemiah is not a priest. He's not even a builder. He's just a man who simply chooses to honour God by believing him and follow his instructions. How the world would turn around even in our midst if each one of us just does what God tells us to do in this hour. Just leaning in to hear what he's saying specifically to each one of us. Now this time was for the people, for the Jewish people, was a time of extreme hardship and shame and they were ridiculed. They were being actually just attacked endlessly by their enemy and God was searching for one person who would believe him, who would undertake the task of rebuilding the wall. God's always seeking to bring restoration to broken lives, broken marriages, broken minds and bodies. That's the heartbeat of our ministry, that the Mid-North Coast would know Jesus, not just about him, but know him as healer, as restorer, as friend, as provider, as everything he wants to be in our midst. And I love that he chooses a cupbearer, a humble servant to become a mighty leader because it matters less who we are than whose we are and who is in us. I'll say that again, it matters less who you are than whose you are and who is in you. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I tell you, the scriptures lift our eyes off ourselves and onto Jesus where we can be transformed and empowered. If we are willing and available, God will supply the ability to fulfill his calling. Second Chronicles 16 says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are blameless towards him. When you're born again, your heart becomes blameless towards him. So he is, sees you on his radar and he wants to show himself strong in your life. He wants to demonstrate his power in your life in this hour. He wants to shine through you so that others can be led to his glory. He needs vessels of honor in this hour that he can use. He has no lack of assignments. He just needs people to say like Isaiah, yes, here I am, Lord use me. And God calls Nehemiah, he gives him a divine purpose and a group of people to lead. And he understood that a true vision must come to God. It was a God-inspired vision. And the vision God has given us is his heart for the whole world, that every man, every woman and child will come to a place in their lives where they will accept Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Second Peter 3.9 said, God does not want anyone to perish. He wants everyone to come to repentance and live. There is no greater goal or vision you could have in this hour than it for the salvation of those who are surrounding you. Nehemiah could see on the inside the walls rebuilt before a single stone had ever been picked up. Can you see revival in your heart? Can you see men and women being drawn to Jesus in the mid-north coast? because believing is seeing, it starts on the inside. Mark 10, 27 says, Jesus said, with man it's impossible, but not with God. All things with God are possible. We are called to walk by faith in this hour, trusting God to complete what he's called us to do in this region 
and beyond. Some of you sitting right here may be called to beyond. If you're called to go, go. If you're divinely called to go, go. That will resonate if you're called to go. If you're not, go where you are right now, to the neighbour, to your work colleagues, to the people surrounding you. But let us all go where we are called to go. And our pastors received a clear vision in their heart. It's not just a nice little saying that we have up on the wall. It's a divinely deposited vision that they've given to our pastors. And we take that and we run with them. The people confirmed the vision. They committed themselves. It says in Nehemiah 2, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for good work. And it says in the message translation, we're with you. Let's get started. They rolled up their sleeves. They got ready for work. This is the sound of United Community of Divine Synergy. And it's the sound that we want in our, in our house, in our hearts. So we say to our pastors and to God, we're with you. Let's build. We're all in. Are you in this morning? Are you going to roll up your sleeves and get involved in the, what God's called us to do? Because it's time for us to lay aside the lower, to take hold of the higher. We each have a unique, vital role to play. And it's interesting, the gifts and strengths of all the people were required, Nehemiah 3 verse 1. The priest Elshab and his fellow priests were up and at it. They went to work on the sheep gate. They repaired it, hung its doors, continuing as far as the Tower of 100 and the Tower of Hanel. The men of Jericho worked alongside them, and next to them, Zachar, son of Imu. The fish gate was installed, its bolts and bars. Merimoth, son of Uriah, the son of Hakakos, any of you are Jewish, sorry, excuse my Jewishness, lack of of. And next to him was Meshilabalabam, and next to Berekah, and son of Meshegabad. Next to him was Zadok, son of Banah, and next to him was the Tekoites. They rebuilt the wall of Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. The valley gate was rebuilt by Hanan, the villages of Sanoa, and they repaired it, hung its doors, and installed its bolts and bars, and they went on to repair 1,500 feet of the wall as far as the dung gate. Do you know the phrase next to is used 24 times in one chapter? Do you think God's trying to teach us something? Every word of God is profitable for doctrine, for proof, for correction, for life. Even this chapter, you think, well, it's just about building some bit of a wall. No, it's far, far greater than that. It's a season for us to be intentional about who we're standing next to, to harness the power, a divine connection for kingdom purposes. Ecclesiastes 4.12 says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And in the New Living Translation, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Count the room today. How many in the house? Are there more than three? Imagine what we can do if we stand next to and we focus on the vision. We know the power of divine connection in the Bible. David and Jonathan, Mary and Joseph, Ruth and Naomi, Paul and Silas, divine next to. And I remember in my own life, Andrew and I were going back for year three of our Bible uh, training in Samoa, and we were going to a wedding in Samoa. 
and it was the beginning of our third year and I just did not want to get stuck at a wedding by someone who just wanted to discuss the food <laughs> because there's a lot of food in, in overseas and there's people that just sit at the table and seem to talk about I said, Lord, divinely place me next to someone I can talk kingdom business with. I was intentional. I'd never done that before. It was the Holy Spirit. I take no credit for it. Every good idea I've ever had is from the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Every bad one's probably my own flesh. Well, it is, because the Holy Spirit will never lead us into darkness or in the wrong direction. And I asked, and boy, did he answer. I'm sitting next to this little older lady. I'm thinking, well, that's interesting. She starts to tell me her story. She had believed to be a missionary for 60 years. Finally, her husband said, darling, I'm retiring, let's go. They bought a boat, a boat, 60 and 62. They sailed from Adelaide to Fiji and they started preaching the gospel. And when I started talking to her, I had no idea that two years later they would retire and they would ask Andrew, my husband and I, my husband's in heaven, doing a lot of jumping around to this morning, <laughs> telling me to keep running. We ended up pastoring the church that they left, all from a simple God placed me at the right place at the right time with the right person. I encourage you, that is the season prayer right now. Lord, I want to be at the right place at the right time. Connect me with the right people. It's important. This is everything. This is how the Mid-North Coast would know Jesus, that we are divinely next to the right people at the right time. I encourage you to be specific in prayer, read this, and see what happens. See, when my husband left, I had no one next to. But I prayed for some next to, and they know in the house who they are, and they stand with me because I wouldn't be up here without them. So I honor them and they know who they are. Nehemiah needed other people to complete what God has placed in his heart. And Pastor Hartley, Pastor Natalie, their family, they need us to come alongside them to fulfill their vision. It's amazing what can be accomplished when it doesn't matter who gets the credit. That is my favorite quote. I will say it again. It is amazing what can be accomplished when it doesn't matter who gets the credit. I love this. Don't let the cheers go to my head, Lord, but don't let the booze go to my heart. I tell you, if you're going to step out for Jesus, you're going to get booze and cheers. Neither of them move me anymore. My eyes are on the prize. My eyes are on heaven. Give all in this season for Jesus. Give all for him. Surrender all to him. It's the season. And one of my favorite verses in the rebuilding of the wall is Nehemiah 3, 14. And I bet that you have never heard of the name Malkijah. Does anybody know who he is? I bet you don't. Let's read. The dung gate was repaired by Melchizedek, the son of Rechab, the ruler of Beth Karim. He rebuilt it and set its doors and its bars. Why is that in there? Even the poop gate guy gets a mention. I love that. I think God's got a sense of humor. Woo woo! The poop gate guy. You know now who he is. 
And I wonder if he lived up to his father's expectations. His father's the ruler. He may have needed some counselling. Dad, I never got there, but I repaired the poop gate. <laughs> At first glance, not that important. But in a walled city, you better believe it's important to get rid of the dung. You better believe it's important the people that are up there with your children. You better believe it's important the person that's making the coffee. You better believe it's important the person that comes early puts the flag out so the people can see where the building is. The poop gate guy, he gets a mention. Love it. Perhaps he could be your pin-up boy from a while. <laughs> One of the best gifts we can give God is to be willing to do even the smallest of tasks well. I remember scrubbing the toilet a long time ago at a church I attended, and boy, did it shine. I got the gif out. I wanted to see my reflection. A few weeks later, I dropped my watch in the toilet. I was really glad I'd cleaned the toilet well, I'll tell you. <laughs> Don't you love the sense of humour of God? <laughs> But we are not just called to do what we do, just to do what we're called to do. In Nehemiah 3 verse 20, it said, After him, Barak, the son of Zabbai, zealously repaired another section. Zeal means great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or objective. Do we have zeal that the mid-north coast would know Jesus? Are we expecting revival fire, living streams, anointing in our midst? Recently at Alta, Matt was uh, prophesying in song and this phrase kept coming out. Come into agreement, come into alignment, come into agreement, come into alignment. That wasn't just words for the sake of it. God is calling us in this hour into agreement, into alignment. For this vision to be fulfilled, we need each other, shoulder to shoulder, each one next to each other. The fast track to promotion is humility. It's the willingness to do any task unseen by others. My favorite hymn growing up was I Surrender All. Lift your hand if you remember that song. I surrender all, all to thee my precious savior. I surrender all. We serve him knowing ultimately all tasks are seen by God. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at out with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know you will receive an inheritance from the Lord, it is the Lord you are seeing. Always know God sees your heart and what you do. We are all chosen. We are all needed. Collaboration means power. See, every time you walk through that door, every time you come to a meeting or a, a small group meeting or you come to Haven, you bring a supply with you and you are also to receive a supply. It's two-way. You bring and you receive. And if some of you begin to bring and not just receive, your lives are going to be transformed because you're going to find a bit of a purpose to get out of bed in the morning when there is no purpose other than just getting through another day. The reason I get up in the morning is Jesus is coming soon. That's it. I'll be honest. I'll be frank. That's why I get up in the morning. It's to do my father's business because everything else is not going to matter. All that's going to matter at the end of the day is love and that we have done what he has called us to do. I have a beautiful picture up here 
and it's of a stone wall. I don't know if you can see the stone wall up there, just a stone, stones all together. When we are in Christ, we form one body. And like the bricks that are there, I love the picture, and that's why I had that picture of next to, because each brick there is interconnected. It's stronger together. It's stronger together. Jesus is the cornerstone. He never crumbles under pressure. And if we are joined to that cornerstone, we will not come under pressure or fall apart under pressure. And you know, builders, when they build, they, they have the plumb line, they get their water leveler out, the thing that actually levels it. God's wanting us to come into agreement, to come into alignment. And that mortar that's joining those bricks together is love. By this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another, John 13, 35. And love is not a man be pan be nice feeling it's a supernatural force love how Jesus on the cross love gets me out of bed when I could quite easily lie there and weep for things lost it's a force which calls you back to your feet to take a stand to go wherever he is telling you to go to do whatever he's calling you to do it's love it's agape love and it's a force and it's the foundation for victory ephesians 4 3 make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit and now if we just have that picture beautiful picture up how the roman soldiers they lock their shields together they become a magni shield, a magna shield. And I saw that picture if all of us join our shields of faith, we become one giant, mighty shield, quenching every fiery dart of the wicked one. That means if you're behind that shield, guess what? You're protected as well because of who you're next to and who they're next to. And we encourage each other. And one of us starts to drop our shield and we say, lift up your shield. Lift up your shield. In Samoa, there's a beautiful homestead there. Robert Louis Stevenson, who wrote um, a number of novels, he passed away. He'd gone there to, to, um, to recover from tuberculosis. And there's a beautiful story that when he passed away, the Samoans loved him so much. They stood literally next to each other all the way up this mountain. And the body, his body was passed up the mountain next to the power of collaboration. No one could have carried that body on their own, but together, next to, next to Psalm 133, how wonderful and pleasant it is when brothers live in unity and harmony, for harmony is as precious the anointing oil that was poured over Aaron's head that ran down his beard onto the border of his robe. We need the anointing to flow in the house. It's the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God. It's his presence. Amos 3, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Matthew 18, 19. I tell you this, if two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. Andrew and I found this out, praise God, at the beginning of our marriage. And we decided we would rather be in agreement than be right. We would rather be in agreement than have the last word. We never argued. We knew there was a cost to it because he's after your power of agreement, men and women. 
husbands and wives. He's after agreement. He's not worried about if you like Channel 7 or Channel 9. He's after your power of agreement. He's not after whether you want pizza or baked beans or the potato was cold or you don't like the smell of that. He's after your power of agreement. Stop giving him your power of agreement in your house, parents, because it flows down. There's no anointing flowing to your kids if you are disunified in your home. It's time, it's time, it's time. Married couples, protect your agreement more than anything. I don't want to be right, darling. I don't want to have the right word. We need to protect our power of agreement. If you're single, find some people to have a divine connection with like I have had to do. And as a body of Christ, we protect our agreement. Isaiah 61, arise from the depression and prostration in which circumstances have kept you. Rise to a new life. We're not denying circumstances, but we are choosing. Let us choose this morning to rise above our circumstances, to shine and be radiant with the glory of the Lord. Jeremiah 31 verse 4 says, again, I will build you and you will be built. It was a catastrophic loss. Yes, I know I talk about it because I live it 24-7. But the reality is God said to me, Danita, I need you to live. He needs you to live. Any of you mucking around or playing with suicidal stuff, get after it. Get in agreement with someone and get after it because the God has a purpose for you to be here. You're not here to take up air and oxygen in a chair. You're here to do things for his kingdom. If I'm not dead, then you're not done. Greater things still to come. We sing it, do you believe it? If I'm not dead, then you're not done. I'm not done, greater things are yet to come. It's time we're called to live a lit up life. Nehemiah 6 verse 15, the wall was finished on the 25th day of the month when all our enemies heard it, the nations around us feared and they fell far in their own esteem for they saw that their work was done by God. We are moving forward, we are taking land, we are taking ground. What God has called you to do will always produce a profit and outcome and a blessing to others. It's time for us to boldly declaim the divine hope we have as believers. I want you stirred up again today about evangelism. Heaven and hell are real. Heaven and hell are real. And people are going to either heaven or hell. It's time. And we are not ashamed of the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Let us not be ashamed to share the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation in the midst of a worldwide epidemic of despair. One of the most moving things I've ever read in history, it moves me even to this day, is something that happened late in May in 1940. Some of you may have been alive and know. A small convoy of boats crossed the English Channel from Dover to Dunkirk on the front line. It was a dangerous and a life-threatening crossing. When the boats arrived at the shoreline, hundreds of thousands of soldiers were pinned down under heavy, heavy machine gun fire. Men were trapped between enemy troops and a large body of water, reminds me of the children of Israel, pinned in 
by the Dead Sea, by the Red Sea and Pharaoh coming towards them. As the boats pulled up close, they, they pulled up as closely as they could to the shore and men were wading out to the water. Some boats nearly capsized as men in haste and desperation fought to get on board. Many of those boats were attacked by German bombers, had to navigate through treacherous areas where sea mines had been laid. There was a desperate tussle for survival. The Germans were determined to prevent escape and the British were determined with that bulldog courage to survive. Hundreds of British soldiers, uh, of British, sorry, hundreds of British sailors and civilians risked their lives in the largest evacuation in military history. The miracle of Dunkirk, as it was known, also as Operation Dynamo, and it was the greatest rescue mission perhaps ever completed. During that one operation, 300,000 men were evacuated to safety in England. And it was truly called a miracle of deliverance by the Prime Minister of the age, and it was definitely a miracle of deliverance. The British and Allies faced insurmountable odds fighting an enemy stronger, yet they were undaunted. The soldiers, they were literally sitting ducks. Many of them said it was hell on earth. There were bullets flying around them, picking off men randomly. It was a race against time to even save a fraction. And you know, of the 933 ships, 236 were destroyed, but they kept coming and it was a desperate rescue mission. Many men risked their lives and lost their lives attempting to evacuate soldiers who were trapped on the beach. I can just picture being a soldier trapped on the beach, looking at the horizon. Is anyone coming for me? Who will come for me? Who will risk their life for me? Who will be uncomfortable for me? Who will stand out for me? Is someone coming for me? They hoped to see a boat because it was their only hope in a world gone completely mad. And they came wave after wave of heroes, ordinary people, leaving the warmth, the safety of their beds to get out in open waters together next to aligned in agreement. Every boat counted from the smallest to the largest. Every captain of a vessel counted. There were young men, young teenage boys who set off with their little boat. Friends, it is the season for bravery and courage. It is the season to live beyond our own needs because people out there need Jesus, and Jesus is coming soon. I want to be taking my boat to the shoreline. I want to have people in my boat. It is a season for surrender and for sacrifice, to be willing to be uncomfortable, unseen, accessible, misunderstood. God needs you. It's not the season to watch anymore. It's not the season to come to worship time and watch the band. It's time to participate. It's time to shut your eyes, to surrender, to tap into the spirit. Who am I next to? How can I serve? What can I give to the one who has given me everything? How can I become an asset for the kingdom of God? 
who needs me. I invite you right now to be intentional and think of one person. I did this myself. There's someone this week I'm going to reach out to in my world who I know needs Jesus. Will you take your boat? They're waiting. They don't even know that they're under fire. They don't even know that the time's short. But they need you to launch out into the deep to be willing. And the disciples went everywhere and preached the Lord, working with them, confirming with miraculous signs. Friends, this is a commission. We mission with Jesus. He partners with you. If you are afraid, He'll give you courage. He'll give you courage to step out. As believers, our future is secure, irrespective of how many things we're facing. But for those who do not know Jesus, they have no future other than a future we would not wish on anyone. For with Jesus, there is endless hope, but without Jesus, a hopeless end. For it says in the word, there is no other name under heaven by which a man can be saved. Let there be no gray, it's black and white. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. There is no other road to travel to, to heaven other than through the finished work of Jesus. True life begins with Jesus. True life begins with Jesus. With every eye closed in the house and every head bowed, I'm going to make it simple and short today. Do you know Jesus? Do you remember a moment in your life when you simply said, Jesus, I need you. I need you to be my saviour. I cannot do this life on my own. I understand heaven and hell are real. And I do not want to end up in hell. When you paid the price, when you made the way for me to go to heaven, with every eye closed, is there anyone in the house who has never asked Jesus to be their Lord and Saviour? Secondly, is there anyone in the house you really aren't sure? Did I make a decision? Did I do that? Am I sure? Do not leave the place without this house without assurance of salvation that you know to be absence from the body is present with the Lord. So right now, if that's you, friends, I invite you to be bold. This is your eternal destiny we're talking about. It's a moment between you and heaven and no one else with every eye closed. If that's you this morning, I invite you to raise up your hand. Raise up your hand so we can simply pray with you. Don't leave the house without making Jesus your Lord and Saviour this morning. If you have been walking a journey and you have strayed off the path you know that you needed to be on, I'd invite you this morning to raise your hand so we can simply pray with you and you can just reconnect with your Heavenly Father. If anyone online has never made Jesus Lord, today's your day. Friends, let's just say a prayer all together. Heavenly Father, I thank you that Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice and paid a price I could not pay. I acknowledge Jesus as my Saviour. He's my Lord and my God. I thank you, Jesus. I'm saved. And to be absent from my body is to be present 
with my God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Friends, I'd invite you this morning to stand up. We're just going to do something this morning. I'd invite you to come together and join hands right across the aisles. If we can join hands, each hand in every aisle. If you can't join hands or you're uncomfortable doing that, that's okay, but let's join our hands. Isaiah 64 says, Look and see, for everyone is coming home. Your sons are coming from distant lands. Your daughters will be carried home. Right now, we're going to pray for our prodigals, those people in the house who are believing for children, for grandchildren, for spouses, for friends. We're going to start believing right now that there's going to be a shift in these people's lives across the house. Father, in the name of Jesus, we join as your people in unified prayer. Let's pray together in which way you feel comfortable to pray. Father, we call in the prodigals from the north, the south, the east and the west. We thank you, Father, you have called us to, to ask you to thrust out the labourers into the land. And so we ask you, Father, to release the labourers across every path, across every pathway of every child, every man, every woman that needs to know Jesus. We bind Satan from blinding their heart and their eyes to the gospel. May your gospel be preached. May they hear, Lord. May they receive Jesus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we call our young people, our children, our grandchildren, loose from addictions and loosed from chains and loose from bondages that they cannot escape from themselves. Holy Spirit, hover over them. Watch over them. We call them delivered in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we say be free. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Come alive in the name of Jesus. And Father, right now, we're going to do something. I want you to pray for the person on the left or the right of you. I just want you to pray for them, whatever's in your spirit. Father, we join as one people one people today, one voice, and we intercede for the one on the left and the right of us. Father, we pray for the one on the left and the right. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit, be everything they need you to be. Come Holy Spirit, come Holy Spirit on these people on our left and our right, on our left and our right. Let's pray with some fervency for the people on our left and right, because some of the people, they may be facing something and they've never been prayed for before, but we're praying for them right now. Every person in the house has seen today. Your Father hears you. Your Father sees you and He is answering those prayers. So we call for divine deliverance. We call for divine protection. We call for physical healing. We thank you for divine supply. We thank you for employment. We thank you for deliverance from addictions. We come against oppression and depression and mental illness. We come against the spirit of torment. We come against loneliness and brokenness and overwhelming grief and sadness. We come against hopelessness and purposelessness in the name of Jesus. Father, we speak a blessing now over the person on our left and our right. A blessing, a blessing over you. Perfect shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing, nothing lacking. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. We are joined in the spirit. And Father, we thank you. There'll be a release of divine connection across the body. No one lonely, no one alone 
in this house in the name of Jesus. May our hearts be receptive. Draw us to the ones we need to connect with in the name of Jesus. We thank you for divine connections. We thank you for our divine vision that the Mid-North Coast would know Jesus. We thank you. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you. Just as we start to sing, why don't you just turn to that person, speak a blessing, smile at them, just, just bless them. Amen. Revival and 